Welcome to New Thinking for a New World, a Tilburg Foundation podcast. I am Alan Stoga, your host. Each week, I bring you conversations with people who think differently about the great issues that are shaping our world. Geopolitics, disruptive tech, mass migration, the changing climate, culture wars, all of it is grist for our mill. I hope you enjoy listening. I also hope you will let me know what you think and that you join the conversation at telbergfoundation.org. And now for today's episode of New Thinking for a New World. There is an American saying that there are only two things certain in life, taxes and death. Today, we're going to talk about the second of those, death, or to be more specific, about palliative care for families and individuals who are coping with death. Dr. Christian Nitzmira, a Rwandan surgeon, founded the African Center for Research on End-of-Life Care. He has thought long and hard about the social, psychological, cultural, and spiritual factors as well, of course, as the physiological ones that shape the final days of someone who is dying. Of course, it's not just about the patient about whom he is thinking, but also family, friends, and community. Admittedly, death is not one of those topics that makes for comfortable conversation or comfortable listening. But as Shakespeare wrote for Julius Caesar, death, a necessary end, will come when it will. Welcome, Christian, to New Thinking for a New World. Thank you. Let's start at the beginning. We patients see doctors as people who are supposed to save us from death, at least as long as possible. As a physician, as a doctor, what made you focus your practice at the other end and the inevitability of death? Thanks, Hala. Um, Treating the disease and treating the person are two different concepts. Because you can treat the disease without treating the person. But if you treat the person, you must treat the disease as well. So it's a two different concepts. The modern medicine are focused on the disease. The new medicine, we think, has to be the one focused on the person. And the most important thing, it's not about death. It's about life. And that is something really important in our culture because I'm treating Rwandans with my culture as a Rwandan. And death is part of life because life never ends. And that is something really important. And by focusing on life, it's about everything can support life until the end. But you trained both in Rwanda and in the United States at Harvard. Two very different cultures, two very different approaches to both life and death. How do you end up where you are in terms of your thinking about life and death? Context matters. Context matters. In the U.S., it's totally different. Let's say, for example, patient autonomy. I was surprised in the U.S. that the patient can have in control to decide who has to be on board on management. The patient decides everything. But in Rwanda, you have the patient autonomy and you have the community responsibilities. So it's about both. You have the patient autonomy, community responsibility, which created an intersection for decision-making, which is totally different. So it's not about what is good and what is bad. It's about how context matters. 
in the US is totally different because people think that palliative care is about death. In what is also contextually different, because when people think about palliative care, it lies until the end. But palliative care was not, my understanding, was not a term of art in Rwanda. It's something that you went through an experience as a physician that led you to begin thinking more systematically about palliative care. Yeah. Tell us about the experience. So the experience is... Uh, Unfortunately, we need to go back in the history on uh, colonial period, how palliative care came to Africa. It came with a Western perspective focused on about death, which is totally different because in our culture, palliative care, even itself, the word palliative care is not yet translated in our local language. This is an English word, and even in French, you have a soin palliatif, which is totally different. But in our context, if you mention about palliative care... And you have to use that term in English. Yeah, we have to use that term in English, and you need to translate it in our local language. But if you need to translate it in our local language, palliative care means a response of suffering, just a response of suffering. It could be physical, it could be psychological, it could be spiritual, and it could be social. So you cannot just take in, respond to the suffering on physical and say the rest, we don't care. Because in, in most African countries, people don't have access to appropriate medications. They don't have access to equipment. So, but you can say, because don't have access to medication, don't have access to equipment, doesn't mean there is no palliative care. That would be the wrong way of taking things. We cannot have access to appropriate medication, but people still there to release the suffering. And for us, and most of the, some of my experiences and some cultures, emotional and social pain are worse than physical pain. You told me a story once about an incident in your career that got you to first think about yeah. how it have cared in this kind of way. Yeah, after my medical school, uh, my dream was to be uh, a surgeon because after the genocide against the Tutsi, I thought that be a surgeon would be the best way to rebuild the country and also to support patients and family members. And until I met a very young guy uh, who was really dying in pain with uh, liver cancer, and it was last stage, and he was screamed in the room. He was really screamed. In a hospital. You're in a, in hospital. a hospital. I was in the hospital it's just after the medical school. And, and the sad story um, is, is, is man came to me and kneeled before me. I don't know if you can see that image and see all the women kneeled before me as a young physician. You're how old at this point about? Uh, I was so 29 years old. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, did that make you uncomfortable? Very comfortable. Mm. Yeah, very uncomfortable. And um, that's time I feared the prescribe morphine, which is a strong opioid for people who have a cancer. And I feared to prescribe because there were so many myths behind prescribed morphine. And I thought if I prescribed morphine and the patient died, I would go to jail. Uh, and the patient was dying. And the patient, you knew as a doctor the yeah, patient. Yeah, yeah, the patient would die, of course. But, the, but why not releasing his pain? What's the question? 
Then I, I, I went back home. The patient died, unfortunately. And I went back home and questioned myself. But because I felt that I failed twice. I felt as a physician because, because he died. Because he died and I didn't prosper morphine. That was this, the, 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 the difficult part of that. And also I felt as a wonder. Because in our culture, when you see an elder person kneel before a young person, culturally you failed. So I went back home and questioned myself for the reason I spent so many years in medical school and I can't help someone dying. What the reason to, to wear a white lab coat with the stethoscope walking in a corridor if you cannot just release someone who's dying? What's the reason to be a medical physician if your role is just witnesses people who are dying? So and from that perspective, I changed completely my, my dream to be uh, a, a surgeon and become a palliative care passionate. Thanks for listening so far. I hope you're enjoying the conversation as much as I have. If you haven't already, please subscribe on the platform of your choice and rate us on Apple Podcast. Now back to today's discussion, sponsored by the Stavros Niarchus Foundation, SNF. Were there others doing palliative care at the time? No. So you were a, pi- you were a palliative pioneer. Yeah, kind of. And how did you define that role? How did you begin to understand it? Where did you get the information from? How did you think about it? Yeah. So when, after that story, after that, that story, uh, the government of Rwanda was, uh, the Minister of Health was organizing uh, uh, a workshop of palliative care. It was supporting with an uh, international organization. And I went in that workshop to learn more about palliative care. But surprisingly, after the two weeks of the workshop, it was not about the patient. It was about me. It was about my own suffering. It was about my own understanding about, uh, about pain and suffering. And just I realized that mostly it's not about the patient and families. It's about us physicians. It's about how we treat others. And the, the, the patient and the families are just the mirror about our own theory, about our lack of knowledge and our lack of skills. So it's in that context, uh, slowly I tend to realize that maybe we need to advocacy, uh, to, to advocate, sorry, for, for, for access to morphine. Uh, but it was not enough because Patient is connected to the identity. So it's more about treatments. It's about the person. So if you mention about the person, you need to sort of focus about the community. How that person live in the community? What is the matter for that person? How identity matter with management? So in that context, I just realized we need to reframe how palliative care is mentioned. So and, and understanding context matters I mentioned, which is could be indifferent from one country to another country. Let me ask a question about context. You're Rwandan, but you were born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, DRC, yeah. because your family had fled the genocide. You come back to Rwanda as a young man. How did that experience, do you think, affect your decision to become a doctor and then eventually your decision to move in the direction of Mugdum? 
Yeah, actually, my family fled a long time ago uh, uh, in DRC, uh, Congo. Uh, it's uh, just after the genocide again. This is when they came back uh, in Rwanda. And uh, I mean, it's during uh, the genocide again, the Tutsi, it was very horrible. I mean, when the stories and everything. And uh, in three months, you can understand. Uh, it's not, not only one million people died in 100 days. Uh, humanity itself uh, seems lost that time. And I, I, I strongly believe that the, the... How old are you when, you, when the family... Uh, 15, 15. So you're 15. Yeah, I was 15, yeah. And uh, I strongly believe that the, the concept of palliative care will contribute to bring back the sense of humanity we lost during the genocide. So the question is how? Because palliative care is not about withdrawing or withholding medications. It's about dignity, sense of humanity, and Ubuntu. Ubuntu, which is a strong African philosophy related and uh, translated that people are people through other people. And, and I am strongly believe that in the context when the country is still rebuilding, even if it's uh, 30 years after the genocide against the Tutsi, we, we, palliative care also will contribute on that sense by bringing back the sense of humanity, by taking care about the patient and the family, about the environment, contextualize about the care, and also uh, bring that sense of uh, social culture perspective among patients, not necessarily prescribed medicine itself. You work primarily in Rwanda, yeah. but clearly the organization you established has the word African. Yeah. Your concept is much bigger than, than just Rwanda. But Rwanda has that unique experience, if you just described. Yeah. Do you approach, do you think it needs to be palliative care? It needs to be approached differently in different African countries or different parts of Africa? Or is there a commonality? We have, we have uh, similarities. We, have, uh, we share many things between uh, African countries. But ideally, um, something I've learned from uh, the last year, the mentorship program with uh, Ulbricht, my mentor, she said something really important. They said, Christian, you need to work local and impact global. Just for context, for those listening to us, you and a mutual friend of a Swedish uh, physicist, actually, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, spent the last year working in partnership, in a mentoring partnership. Uh, that is a, a fundamental part of the Talbert Foundation's worth. Exactly. And, and, and uh, during that discussion, it's uh, like you work in Rwanda, but think differently. Think the experiences of Rwanda can be inspired other countries. Think how the way you think that palliative care can inspire all the African. So it's why when I mentioned about African Center for Research, uh, it's not about how we can export what we're doing in Rwanda to other countries. It's how we can inspire from where our experiences came from a country which was starting from the ground, from, from nothing, and be able to reconstruct the country, rebuild the country. And then to be able to bring a different model of palliative care, not necessarily copy and paste from other side of the world, but how learning from our own experiences, we can be able to drive something really important. It's about life. And I think part of the Tolbert uh, um, um, vision and mission is that part about leadership. And the part of the leadership 
is not about to impose. It's about how you impact. And based on your impact, it's about your experiences, talks more than what you can say. And this is how our vision in the, from our accrual is to be able to inspire other African countries and say, you, we have resources. We have also our challenges, but let's learn from the best practices. And receptivity? Are, are people in other parts of the continent receptive to thinking about palliative care in the directions that you're pushing? Very much, because they, they now, uh, they, they're not fear again as before, because people think that palliative care equals death. And we just say, no, people know palliative care, you know, equal death. Palliative care is a response of suffering. It could be physical, that's one aspect. It could be psychological, that's another aspect. It could be social and it could be spiritual. So if your country have some challenges in physical access to morphine, that's one thing. Can you cover the rest of the, the path? That we call holistic. You can cover on psychological, spiritual, and social. Because some, some countries in Africa, from my experiences, they are very stoic. They're using stoicism as a philosophy for on understand, on, on resilience of uh, pain. But it's totally different for another countries where social and emotional pain as the most are something really important. And in our context, if you're losing the family and the community, it's worse than access to morphine. That is something really important. It's terror work. Yeah. Final question. What do you imagine you're doing 10 years? Ah, that's a good question, Alan. <laughs> the difficult question. I think part of... Uh, Part of that one step is to sharing. And this is what I've learned also during the, my time in, a, in, a, in Tolbert is how we can share. And, and I came to that perspective to write a book about the safari concept. And uh, safari just means a journey in Swahili. But people think uh, safari means animals and other things, which is not. It's just a journey from one place to another place. And in that context was to explain how using metaphor and culture could be a good languages and, and to bridge the language of the patient, the family with the language of physicians. So in the coming 10 years, I see myself of sharing as what I've learned and received from my experiences and also received from my mentorship and received by networking. And this is something really important. And for example, uh, last year from the Star Bosniak Course uh, Foundation conferences, I was able to go there and talking about palliative care and people was really surprised. And all of them after my presentation, they came and said, oh, we didn't know that palliative care is about life. I said, yeah, it's okay. That is part of the step. And the thing sharing is something really important. And to have this platform, we can share and continue to sharing. I think that is the... My, my, my dream and my vision. Well, that's exactly why I started out with death and taxes. No one <laughs> wants to talk about death and taxes. But thank you very much for this conversation. Not about taxes, but about death. Oh, thank you, Alain. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of New Thinking for New World. I'm Alan Stoga, podcast host, and I look forward to your joining our next conversation. Remember, tell us what you think at telbergfoundation.org.